Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast, a show that helps you rewire your brain to survive and thrive. Join your host, Ozzy Martinez Jr., a Marine, a combat disabled vet, husband, and father, as he shares his firsthand knowledge and experience of hitting rock bottom, almost ending it all, and then turning it around. Dive into the rewired minds of thriving survivors. This show is an in depth look at post traumatic survival. And now, Ozzy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are still in this lockdown, in this quarantine. I don't even know what to call it anymore. I'm super, super excited to have my brother, Steven Diaz, on the show. Let me give you guys a little intro on Steven. Steven is a Marine who was severely injured by an IED blast in, in Iraq in 2005. He was left with numerous permanent scars to include PTSD a seizure disorder, and a traumatic brain injury. Stevens' military service earned him the Purple Heart Combat Action Ribbon. After losing more and more friends to trauma of the war, you know, he ended up doing things in his life that, just like I did, you know, he, 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 he became involved in, in, in organizations to help veterans and, uh, you know, a bunch of other things that Steven has done ever since his injuries and that's why i want him on on this show so steven thank you for coming on absolutely man I, I i appreciate it um i've been i've been listening to the to the shows and it's been uh it's an honor to be in the same um to be on the same stage uh as a lot of the a lot of the guys a lot of the guys you had on so it's a pleasure to be on here and a pleasure to, to see your your work um you doing this as a as a way to to not only help others but i know 100 percent it helps you yeah one one 100 man this is uh definitely has now become a new form of therapy for me um i love i love talking i love <laughs> everybody knows i love talking but i love i love talking about my current situation and 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 i know i'm not the only one and i guess me not now knowing that when I hear other people talk about it, it helps me so much. That's what uh, I want to do now. And then I look at the stats that I look at the other day. I went and looked online and it blew my mind. We have, I have listeners in South Africa, Australia, and now Canada as well. So uh, I'm going international. We have uh, over 400, li over 400 listeners right now and listens in the U S. So I'm super excited that this is actually hopefully helping like I, so I, when I said at the beginning, this isn't just for veterans, you know, um, it goes off like this is only for veterans right now. I'm talking to a lot of vets because that's who I know right now that has experienced a lot of trauma. And really, we're kind of in the when it comes to PTSD, that's what everybody for some reason assumes, though, you know, that it's only yeah, a vet. No, I mean, and, and, and I mean, and, and in our nonprofit, like I would get chewed out by people that, hey, you know, how dare you? Uh, PTSD is not just for vets. Well, who said that? Um, you know, just, just because, just because that's who, who we're marketing ourselves to, because that's, that's who we are. I mean, it's our specialty. We can speak the language in no way. Am I saying, yeah. um, that it's only, and, and, and the, the best way. So when I go out and do speeches and I say, look, 
this is the best way for me to, to explain what it's like, what it's like to go to the VA uh, or what it, and what it's like to deal with, with PTSD. And that's, you know, has anybody been in a car accident? And of course, you know, some people will, will raise their hands and, and I'll say, you know, what do you remember? What do you remember from that? And of course, every, you know, if you've been in a car accident, especially a pretty traumatic one, you're going to remember the sounds. You're going to remember the smells. You're going to, every time you drive past that street, um, you're going to have, you're going to have memories. You're going to have memories of that. I mean, my wife still avoids completely an intersection that she got hit on because she doesn't want to go through those memories. Um, it doesn't mean that she's crazy. It doesn't mean that she couldn't handle it. It's just, it's a human, it's a human reaction, um, to a traumatic experience. Correct. And, um, so, and, and, and when it happens, uh, and we all deal with it, we all deal with it differently. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, with the government agency, everyone will raise their hand for this and it's like, Hey, what, you know, what is your, what is your first thought that goes through your head? when you go to the DMV and you hear all the groaning, Oh yeah, man, I got to wait in line. Or I get that one person who they don't want to be there that day. They're just there for the paycheck. And, and it's like, well, right. And you know that you have people there that, that actually want to help you. Um, they care about you and they, and they, and they want to do right by you, but it's a bureaucracy and there's red tape and, and that's just, it's unfortunate, but that's just, you know, that's just how it is. And so I've, I've prefaced my, my speeches, with, with a little bit of that and throwing a little bit of humor so that people kind of don't have that in their head. Oh, well, you know, well, he, you know, PTSD is, is only for vets and, and, and how dare he, you know, I, I've been sexually assaulted or I've, you know, domestic violence or something like that. It's like, no, we, we've all, we, we all can relate on a human level. Um, and, and, you know, let's, let's get together and, and talk about it. I'm glad that I'm glad that I have you on the show, man. Cause I, I knew you'd be a perfect individual when it comes to relating like that to trying to make this a more relatable experience for other people that have been through trauma. So let's go ahead and deep dive real quick into, you know, your trauma and, in, in, in 05, you were in Iraq and, um, you were injured by an ID. So I, I had, this last episode that aired was uh, Tyler Southern. And yeah, I don't know. I know Tyler, yeah. So you know Tyler. And um, he was telling me that actually the day before that he he didn't even think he should have been on the show because he doesn't have PTSD. He doesn't remember anything. Um, he doesn't even have survivor's guilt because he was the only one injured that day. So I kind of like, you know, explained to him. I mean, dude, at the end of the day, fine, you don't have PTSD, but if you don't think that being a triple amputee is traumatic, I don't know what to tell you. So um, I definitely want you on the show. But So we got him on the show. He spoke. I'm going to have him on there again. But he told me that he doesn't remember much. He woke up that in the hospital two weeks after his incident. And, um, you know, because of his mother being a nurse and kind of being prepared, his family had been with his body there laying there for a few days. They were ready for when he woke up. They were just happy. There wasn't a lot of shock, you know. Um, but how was it right. with you, man? Because I, I don't, I don't think you're that as severe you as just, Tyler. You just, you just pretty much said my story. I mean, it, it's amazing what the the human brain um, can do when your body goes through so much physical trauma. Uh, I think, I think for the, it can be said the same for emotional trauma. We, so we were on a on a convoy um, security mission and. 
I, I have a kind of a running joke when I, when I, when I talk and share my story, because I, it, it, I, you know, they tell you and you learn very quickly not to volunteer for anything, right? Because you're always going to get stuck with the crappy, with the crappy jobs or, or, or something that you're just going to regret. And then, you know, when they, uh, when, when someone comes up, Hey, we need a, we need three bodies or we need a working party. You know, everyone scatters and they run away because they don't want to get picked or they, or they find the lowest, the lowest ranking person or the shit bags or and whatever. Were, and they're like, here that you're going. And you volunteered. And <laughs> God, so, so yeah, I, I volunteered to go to join the Marine Corps. I volunteered to, uh, um, to go to this unit that I was in, in Okinawa, Japan. I volunteered then to go to Iraq. Um, and then, so this, this specific, and I just had my 15th alive day last week. Um, so this happened 15, 15 years ago. And what happened was we were going on this convoy security mission. We were based out of Al-Assad. Uh, this is uh, 2005. Uh, just the, it's the Wild West uh, yeah. out there. And this is the Western Iraq Anbar province. We were based out of Al-Assad. And we were going to, um, to a place called Korean Village. It's, it's west of Al-Assad near the Syrian border. And... I had never been there before. And at the time, all these, all these fobs, um, you wanted to check out what their chow hall was like or what they had, what they had there to eat. And I, I was just talking to another Marine the other day about this. Cause it's just like you said earlier, that the Marine Corps is so small. Like I, I didn't know this guy. I, I got introduced to this dude and um, we got to talking and we realized, you know, crap, you know, we were at the exact same base at the exact same time. And so we were sharing some stories about, uh, uh, chow halls on some of these places. And, um, dude, back then we had Red Bulls. We didn't have, we didn't have rippets. And okay. so when I get all these Marines talking about, oh, rippets, this and that. And I was like, well, I didn't have rippets. And they're like, oh, that's because you didn't leave the wire. And I was like, bro, we had Red Bulls. We, so we would, we'd know, we'd know exactly which, which base to, to, you'd want to go on a run at, um, for, for protection because, um, they they had the most Red Bulls, and so we would we'd run in there, we'd park our Humvees, and the Motor T guys they couldn't leave their vehicles because they had to protect it. But since we were security, we could do whatever the hell we wanted, and we we bum rush their their little uh, uh, refrigerated areas, and we would just we would raid their their uh, coolers and just run out with just bags of of uh, Red Bulls, and um, so I wanted to see what this place Korean Village. Um, what it was all about. So the night before, the night before I had come back from a night run and uh, our, our rotation over there was either, either you were on a convoy security, you were on a route clearance mission, you were on a QRF mission. Uh, rarely did, was there a time that you weren't doing anything? Um, I mean, there's always, there was always a bomb to go look for, always a road to go protect all, you know, always waiting for, uh, someone to, to get hit on one of the MSRs and you're rushing out there to, to, to yeah, go help QRF them and, or whatever. and rushing. Yeah. Yeah. And then r- rushing is a, is a, a funny word cause you didn't rush anywhere. You weren't, uh, and well, I could go on stories about these Humvees that and we they had, went 45 anyway, miles an hour top speed. So yeah, you weren't rushing anywhere, but yeah, I know what you're yeah, talking we weren't, about. Yeah. We're not flying anywhere. <laughs> um, and so, um, so the night before I'd gone on out a run and, they the next morning um 
this this mission was called out. We were going to go protect uh, a convoy that was going out to KV to resupply uh, uh, some engineers and grunts over there. And um, one of the so the lead truck we call us the the suicide truck or the Mad Max truck um, because it doesn't have it. It didn't have any armor on it. What we did was we it was a soft skin and then we welded our own. Uh, armor onto it. Yep. Uh, we put sandbags. We put sandbags on the floorboard. Um, the turret. You know, who knows if it worked that day or not? <laughs> it's uh, so heavy. You're, yeah, you know, you're sitting there spinning. <laughs> yeah, and um, and and so it, I mean, it was nothing compared to the up armored um, oh. Humvees. Yeah, you guys. Uh, those, I mean, those you were using the, you were using whatever was left over that we didn't fuck up in 04. So <laughs> you were you were yeah. you were using what we drove in, and I remember that we that's that's what we had. We had these soft top. I have pictures of it. People still look at my pictures on yeah. Facebook, and they're like, "Is that for real in Iraq?" And I was like, "Oh, that's Iraq in 04. It was they were vinyl Humvees. When I say soft top, is vinyl side vinyl doors, and uh-huh. then we would have welders welding steel plate doors on the side but then the hinges yep. weren't made to support that steel so they'd fall apart and you couldn't open them and lock them right they'd open up while you were driving <laughs> oh they were, yeah you're, they were they were on there with bungee cords yeah or 550 cord, so you could get it to stay shut. so yeah so you and then, were you uh, you were in which vehicle not the first one we weren't so 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 <laughs> this so this lead vehicle okay um there was a team member there was a team member in there um that didn't want to go on this run because at the time, at the time where we were going, it was really dangerous. You're, I mean, you're guaranteed to hit an ID and you're guaranteed to probably, uh, uh, get ambushed or get shot at for, uh, on this particular route. And so for the lead vehicle, we always took turns. It wasn't the same person in there all the time, um, because we wanted to reduce that risk and it's, you know, it just wasn't fair. And we had enough bodies to rotate out. And so the, there was one Marine who was supposed to be in the vehicle who was, uh, and people can't see me, but I'm using air quotes here. He was sick, right? He, did, he didn't want to go, could not be found to go on this run. And so they were starting to look for volunteers to go on this run. And so a bunch of people had volunteered. Um, the people that, that wanted to do it had also been on the run, on the night run before, and so they didn't want to pick them because they figured they were going to be tired and they don't want, you don't want somebody uh, in a lead vehicle trying to look for IEDs uh, or look for danger. That's, that's going to, you know, maybe fall asleep. Um, but I bagged my way into that, into that vehicle and um, got into the vehicle. So I was supposed to be the driver and the the corporal uh, uh corporal jay um he did not want me to drive because he says if this fool falls asleep we're going to go off the side of the road um and hum- humvee rollovers is the big you know it's a big deal um and so i went from not even supposed to be in that vehicle to then i'm in the vehicle and then i, I got moved from the driver's seat over to the to the um to the uh, a driver's seat, which is usually the vehicle commander. And so I got moved to that seat. So now, now it's just, you know, all, all sorts of degrees of, 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 I'm not even, I wasn't even supposed to get hit that day. Like I, I could have been, I could, I could have still been in the Marine Corps right now, <laughs> hating, hating, hating life, wishing I was a civilian. And then you get out and you're like, damn it. I want to be you know? so, so many and, things that you weren't and, supposed to be doing, but that you ended up doing <laughs> the way it worked out is what you're saying. When it's yeah. your turn, it's your turn. 
And, and so we're going on this, so we're on, we're on the route where we're headed there. And so the lead vehicle is, is also a bait is also a bait vehicle. You're, we, we go up about one to two clicks in front of the convoy. And the whole purpose of you is to, to, to trip the trip, whatever ambush is going to be coming or for you to set off a bomb that maybe you didn't see. Um, and we got pretty far out. Um, and, and all this just, just, um, just like you were, you were talking about Tyler. Like, I don't remember any of this. So you don't uh, remember I had, to, I had to get, no, I didn't even get, I didn't even know that whole story. I just told you. <laughs> so, so, so you, you don't, you don't remember. So Tyler did the same thing. Tyler told me that, and it's interesting because this is what I want to talk about with individuals. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want other individuals to listen in here say, shit, man, this is okay. So I'm not alone. I'm not going crazy that I don't remember this or that right. I feel that. I only remember three days before because Tyler was like telling me he was telling us, well, last thing I remember was when I was a COG and I was uh, on on uh, seeing some guys on watch. And he goes, for all I know, that could have been two or three days before. <laughs> yeah. So but I told that the, I remember telling my wife that I was going to go on a on a four day run because it, it, this was one of the farther one of the farther bases from from Al Assad from us. And so. We, I told her, uh, I called her on a stat phone and I told her, Hey, um, uh, I'm not going to be able to talk to you this week because I'm going out on this run and it just takes forever to get there and we can only go so fast. So that just adds to it. So it's probably going to be a week before you hear from me again. Yeah. Um, but I'll be, you know, but I'll be fine. And, um, so I remember telling her that and then, and then, well, all right. So I remember the explosion. But all that I remember from it is is the sound, and I remember touching my face. So we got hit. We got hit with the with the IED that um, I don't think an insurgent planted it. I think it was a a villager that was um, was either threatened with death or threatened with violence or threatened that they were going to kill his family, um, or he was paid to do it because that's what the insurgents were doing. They would go through these little villages yeah. and they would, they would make the, they would make the villagers go out and plant these IEDs um, or, or serve as, as, as scouts to go look because that way, you know, if you kill the villager, well, who cares? Yeah. Because the insert, you know, it wasn't they could the keep insurgent. on going. Yeah. They could keep on going. Yeah. And so, um, and then, and then you got to feel for the villagers too, because, we, we would go to places that, you know, the villagers would, would refuse to do whatever the insurgents made them do. And then they would just kill them right there, or they would kill a family member until finally they would say, okay, I'll go out and do it. And you, you guys tell by the quality, by the quality of the explosive or the way that it was prepared. Right. Right. You could tell the quality of the explosive. And then you could also tell how they planted it. If it was a rookie so or not. This, yeah. yeah. So, this this insurgent um apparently when we were coming up the road he saw us coming and he got in his little zuzu little white truck that they all drive and he took off down the road and went to the next bridge and then planted it behind a guardrail um right before right before you get to this bridge and then it was a remote detonated explosive so um he was he was watching us. I mean that, and that's the craziest thing about all all this and IEDs and all that stuff. I mean, you're being hunted. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. There's people watching you. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, it's, this is our, it's our, you know, our war and, and how things played out. It but, is. And, and that's um, why, I mean, that's why we can't drive when we get first, when we first get back. I remember I couldn't drive for, I mean, and I would still mm-hmm. drive, but, um, I remember I would do silly things. I would, I would get in my car when I remember when we first got back in 04, uh, I got back in my, in my truck, it was sitting there on base and I didn't feel safe unless I looked up and I saw like a helicopter or an airplane flying around, even if I knew it wasn't air support. Yeah. But I would look up before I would drive on U.S. soil to make sure I had somebody watching me above because I didn't feel safe. And then I would hear a backfire or I would see something on the side of the road and I'd swerve it by, you know, three lanes. And so, yeah, I mean, so you guys were you guys got hit in the vehicle. Right. So I was in the front front right passenger, the A driver. Uh, and when we came up, this is another reason why we, we knew that the guy didn't know what he was doing because when he detonated the explosive, he did it too early. Okay. And because if we were, if we would have been right next to it, I mean, it would have taken us out because there was two, it was two one, five, five rounds, mm. uh, daisy chain together. And, um, it was, I mean, with that, with that little rinky dink Humvee that we had, I mean, it would have taken us, it would have taken us out. And so, but he, he, he triggered it a little early. And, uh, so I remember, I remember the sound and it was, you know, I had, we've gotten blown up before plenty of times. Um, and you know, and it wasn't like it is now where if you get, if you get hit, um, and you feel, you feel any, you know, you, you feel a little, little, little tickle or something. They, they take you out and kind of like at the NFL or football games where if you, yeah, you have a, you have a concussion policy. Now you have some sort of a, yeah. Yeah. Before, Um, no, before it wasn't like that. I know it wasn't like that, man. It was, it was, you would go on it. Right. And we joke about it, but I mean, okay. Uh, Yes. PBI is a serious, I mean, it's a serious thing, but we, you know, we, we make, we joke about it, whatever. And we joke about Uh, it because we got it. it, I'm not a, I'm not a non-believer. I'm not a non-believer that a concussion can't cause you, can't cause you damage. Um, but um, I'm gonna get some hate mail for that. This one, no, nah, cool. this one, no. But, but let's get let's get back to this one, though. You were saying though, this explosion <laughs> was different, though, man. And I mean, you've been through different explosions. This one was different. This one was right. I'm guessing right in front of your vehicle, towards the front. Right, right. So the shrapnel. So so I I felt the blast. I felt my head fly back, and then I remember touching my face, and I could feel that there was something wet on my face. And I, and then I, I could hear people screaming at no time that I feel any pain, not one bit of pain. I didn't feel any pressure anywhere. But you remember this um, though. You remember what you're telling me right now. I, ch- I just, I remember, I remember it, but I don't, it's like an out of body experience. Okay. You remember bits and pieces of it. Right. Because when I used to share my story, I would talk about all these other things that I did and that I saw. And then finally, when the other guys that were in the vehicle um, were felt comfortable enough with their own trauma to talk about it, they would say, hey, you know, we meant to tell you, but all these things that you're saying are not true. You know, that's not what happened. Let me let's tell you the real story. Okay. Um, So for the longest, I was sharing these stories, something completely that just didn't happen. But I thought that that's what happened because that's what I remember. That's what your your brain did to you. Yeah. 
Right. And so, so, all right. So what happened was the shrapnel went through, there's no window. I mean, it's the open, it's like, imagine the L. I mean, you know what they, what mm-hmm. they look like, the, the doors yeah. that we would make. Um, the shrapnel went through, I wasn't wearing my ballistic goggles because they're stupid and they break. So they broke and I didn't wear it, but I thought it was cool. And I brought these Oakley snowboard goggles because, uh, uh, because of, uh, um, you know, a Black Hawk Down movie where the Delta guys are wearing Oakley, Oakley goggles. Yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, this will be cool. So I got these snowboarding goggles that worked really great for the dust and the wind. They, they don't do so well for uh, shrapnel. And so the shrapnel went through, the shrapnel pieces of the shrapnel went through my, um, went through my left eye. And then it ricocheted on my, on my side of my skull and ricocheted into my brain. And then I had... Um, uh, some more pieces of shrapnel that just got just peppered all over my, my upper body. And then I had shrapnel that went through the, um, um, I don't know if it went through the floor. I don't know how it went through, but it, I got it in my left leg and then I had a huge hole in my right foot, like right on the, like right on the middle of my foot. Um, and then the guys were saying that that probably what happened was because what they can remember, they were all awake. Um, nobody died. I got hit the worst. Okay. And they remember that the shrapnel, it looked like the 4th of July inside of the um, inside of the Humvee wow. because the shrapnel, which is bouncing around everywhere. Well, so now sparks it's everywhere. Sparks. Yeah, it's just sparks everywhere. And that's all that they remember. And uh, guys, are, so the, the two Marines in the back, um, they got hit with a little bit of shrapnel and got peppered with a bunch of rocks. So they had, you know, rocks that got dug into their faces. And, um, and then the gunner, he got shrapnel that hit his leg. But since I was right there kind of protecting, my body was there protecting at that angle. It didn't get too much of, of, of him, but he got hit pretty, he got hit pretty bad on one of his legs. And then my driver, um, Corporal, Corporal Jay, he got um, he got peppered really bad, and he you know his story is pretty amazing too. I, I'd love for you to to talk to him one definitely, day. Definitely, definitely, man. He um, his so he was there trying to figure out all you know make sure that all of us were okay. And then what happens is you know he 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 starts to realize that everyone is screaming but me. I'm just quiet, just hanging out, shrapnel flying all over the place, and Diaz is just sitting there cool, like nothing's going on. And, and he looks over and I'm just, <laughs> I'm out, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, imagine you're watching the TV and you just turn the TV off. You're done for the night. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was lights out and, um, you know, and they're like, well, they don't know what's going on. They don't know. Um, um, so he tries to get out and when he steps out of the Humvee, he notices that there's just blood just gushing and there, he was sitting in the puddle. He was bleeding out. And he's trying to yes. help us out, you know, being being the senior NCO, and he's got his adrenaline. He can't feel anything, but he knows that he's in he's in bad shape. And you um, guys, uh, you guys had to get medevaced out of there, or did you get driven out of there? You guys got flown out, or yeah, so we got we got flown out. But what happened was the convoy finally caught up to us. But the way we we our SOP is you don't stop. Correct. So they saw us get hit from the distance and um, can't really can't raise us on the radio. And once they get closer to us, they just keep going. And it's not like it's not like, you know, they wanted to. But that's that's the whole point of that truck. 
is for that truck to get hit. Um, there's not a lot of fancy gadgets and stuff on that truck. I mean, you, you have your ammo, your weapons and your, and your child, you got your MREs. You don't have a lot of the, the, the fancy like blue force tracker that we had and all that stuff. Yeah. Cause that goes on, on different vehicles, uh, or the combo commander. And so that truck fulfilled its purpose. It, it took the, it took the blast that was meant to slow down, um, to slow down the convoy and, and, and then for an ambush to happen. Uh, and so the vehicles kept going and, um, and then they called out for the, the medical, the medical Humvee, uh, that was designated where the, where the corpsmen are at to, Hey, go, go get these guys. Well, these fools run out of gas. How, how that happened? I, I don't know. Uh, I, they should do a little short, little short, little movie on, on this, on this whole, uh, uh sit show of a convoy, but, um, so they had to get another Humvee. They jumped the corpsman. They put it in another another uh, uh, security vehicle and rush up to us and to try to provide the aid. Um, and from what I understand, they pulled me out and they told me that I was talking and that I was telling one of my boys, um, um, Ray Wick. He lives in uh, he lives in Arizona doing big things. He um, he remembers me telling jokes about these crazy clubs and bars that we used to go out to in Okinawa and how we were chasing girls. And he's like, this guy has his, his eyeball sticking out of his head. He's got blood all over the place. Um, there's he's a telling hole jokes. in his foot and he's over here telling jokes. I don't remember any of it. So I can't take credit for being this, this badass. you know, it's, I, <laughs> I was out, man. That's, that's the human body protecting yourself from from the trauma from the pain because i know i was going into shock yeah so, so i mean that's just how amazing the human body is so you guys get then you get medevaced from from iraq i mean the the, the traditional i guess yeah, thing is to go yeah. to germany right. and then get back to the states right right so i don't like i uh every year um around the time around like so around like this time where where i got hit uh, i have this kind of tradition where i crack open my medical records and I look at the incident report okay. because I don't remember any of this stuff. So it's just part of my own little, uh, I don't sit there and drink and cry myself to, to you know, I, I look and it's just because I want to know what happened. And um, so I, I pull out my, my records and it, and it shows that I went from, they flew me, they took me to um, Korean village. And then from there we flew to Balad Air Force Base where they try to stabilize me as much as they could. And then they flew me and then the gunner and the uh, driver to um, launch tool. Um, and then I was considered, I was considered extremely, uh, like I look back at my medical records uh, and it was severely, severely injured, whatever the highest is. Um, so, I mean, you they, were, you just said it, your eyeball was hanging out of your face. And I mean, you ended up losing vision in your eye, correct? In your left eye. Yeah, so I got to keep the eyeball. Okay, um, but I lost I lost vision in it. Yeah. All right. So then, your recovery. I mean, where did you ever during your recovery time hit that rock bottom, or did you just like get super motivated and 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 continue working on yourself, or did you eventually did the PTSD affect you? I mean, how how do you feel that? That your recovery oh, was. It, 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 it's it's. I, I think you and I can relate a lot to this, and I think that's why you and I, um, well, you and I get along so well because 
we we try to be the helper of other people and I'm, I'm, I'm getting deep here mm-hmm. because we try to help so many and I'm not, I'm being political cause I'm not answering your question at the moment. I'm answering it with a different with it. But, um, so we, we help out so many other people that it's hard to, to talk to them about the issues we have, because we're, we're seen as, you know, there's nothing wrong with this guy. You know, he experienced all this stuff and he's here helping me. And, um, and we don't feel like we should talk to them about our issues because then we might make them regress. Yeah, but and we so have our little circle find, that we talk to, though. <laughs> right. It's hard to find. It's hard to find the people that maybe are on your level of, of recovery or on your level of, of the path of, of coping because you don't heal from it. Correct. So, so I, I talk to people and it's, it's like you don't there is no silver bullet. There is no magic therapy there is no magic concoction of 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 medication that's going to um that's going to heal you from any of this no and there isn't the biggest the biggest there isn't even like a stage format here where you you go in stages or anything so so normally when you go in stages you either go up and down but here you have the stages which i would say are the symptoms and there is no up and down like in a steady path it's they either go up and then they go down and then they could go shoot back up again. So I, that's what I tell people that people will tell me like, oh, you started a podcast and you started an organization and this and that. And I'm like, man, I think I just keep on starting these things because reality is I, I still struggle with a lot of my issues. And I think I'm just starting them as a as another way out, as another exhaust. I don't know. Right. You know, so we have to keep we have to we, we have to keep our mind occupied. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's when. And that's what kind of makes me worry a little bit about some of the guys now with this with with this whole crap going on um, yeah. with the with the uh, coronavirus um, is it's these guys that are probably at home and not doing because they're we're already using it as as a as a crutch to yep. I don't want to go out in the world because I'm messed up and and whatever and a lot of the self a lot of the self pity. Um, and um this this is some tough love for people cuz i've been there yeah you know, man i've been i've been doing I, a lot of texting that. i did the right you know i did the whole avoidance thing and and but the biggest difference for me and and maybe the other guys who are wounded can 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 um can relate is so when i got hit and i was at the hospital um one i was supposed to die in germany so they called my parents and they told them hey your son got injured however that phone call goes and we need you to go to germany because your son was severely injured and he is not going to make it back to the states but he is uh, but he is alive i'm not awake yeah uh, well i'm awake all right but i'm not conscious um yeah they got you in the coma we, state. right and so they they prepared to fly them out to germany and then they tell them, you know, hey, never mind. It looks like he's going to make it. So we're going to send him to Bethesda, uh, the naval hospital over there. And the same thing, the same thing, just like Chip's Tyler's story, where I'm there for probably a week and a half, maybe two weeks. My parents are there with my body. And I'm on, I'm on crazy machines. And um, so I, I wake up, I wake up. Um, with my hands tied to the bed. I got tubes all over the place. I don't know what's going on. 
And so I'm like thinking, you know, what happened? And obviously I'm not in Iraq anymore, but I have no idea where I'm at. Um, I was in the ICU, so there's not a lot of stuff. It's not like your normal hospital room where you can, t- you know, there's there's stuff on the walls. And um, there, I just see all these machines and you hear the beeping. I mean, the beeping to me still triggers. Uh, uh, I don't go into a, like a panic attack or anything, but it still brings me back. The, the smell, hospital smells and the beeping, the machines and all that. But anyway, um, and my hands, my hands are tied. And I, I, so I'm convinced that I'm a POW. I'm no, you know, when you wake up. I wasn't. Yeah. So, so I, I wake up, there's nobody in the room. Uh, my hands are tied. I can't talk. And I know something's wrong with my vision. I don't know what it is. I didn't know I can't, that I lost my vision. Um, and so your, your mind is still in combat mode. And so you're thinking, you know, survival and where my, you know, where's my, where's, where are my guys and where's all my stuff? Cause I knew where I was last. Um, and so I'm starting to kind of, I, I, I'm not panicking. I'm trying to figure out, okay, next step, remember your training. Well, I didn't go to SEER school. I didn't go to, uh, any kind of, of you know, I think the only kind of POW training I got was what you get in boot camp. <laughs> the remember, you know, you tell them your, your, you tell them your, your, your name and your rank yeah. and your social and that's it. So I'm thinking like, damn, this is, that's all that I know to do. So I guess that's all I'm going to tell them. So that's what I'm preparing in my mind is I don't know what's next, but this is, this is what I'm going to do. Okay. I didn't have time to, to say, you know, what happened, you know, what, what just happened to me uh, is all right. So this next thing is these insurgents are going to come in. That's and, what that, Yeah. That's what's know, going on in your know, brain as you're waking you know up. That's going to happen. That's what's going on. That's your mentality. And so um, what happened next was that these two nurses, it must have been like the middle of the night or maybe really early in the morning um, because they were getting ready to get off shift and they come in and they see that I'm awake. And so now that prompts them to do whatever next thing they got to do. And I hear them get upset and start cussing because (laughs) they were supposed to get off really soon and so now they got to stop that because they got to uh uh they got to start pulling some <laughs> pulling some cords or you're like that guy that walks in you're like you're do. like that guy that walks into the restaurant right at, right as they're closing the kitchen mm-hmm. <laughs> you decided exactly to wake like you decided that. to wake up right when my shift was about to be over yeah. and please ladies and gentlemen we are not ragging on nurses <laughs> we're just i mean this man is speaking a funny story about you know what, yeah. what was going through his mind so oh cuz i mean and we're on so, sensitive uh, times so, bro and so then, so then I'm thinking, okay, all right, uh, I'm not a POW. I'm not captured. Um, I am somewhere where these people are speaking English and I'm in some, you know, NATO or friendly hospital. Um, I still don't know what happened to me. In my mind, I'm not thinking, damn, I just got hit. Um, and now you and say, then, you say, you say when you're waking up, you have like your, you lost your vision, but that's just, I mean, did they have both eyes covered or just your left eye covered? You just, cause once so, again, I don't so, know what it is to lose your vision, man. So I right. can't experience so I that. Just, yeah. I, it's just, um, um, I don't know what it feels like either. Cause now I don't know what it feels like to have. Now it's eyes. normal to you. Right. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I just knew that something was off with my vision. I didn't know that I was blind yet. 
I had no idea the condition of my injuries at all. Um, and then of course they got me on all sorts of pain meds. So I didn't feel any of it. I felt no pain. And, uh, but then I see my parents walk in, they had at that time, the, the, the nurses had un so to make their nice, their, 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 uh, shift even worse when they pull the, when they pull the into the intubation tube out, uh, I throw up. It's just a natural reaction. So okay. I throw up on one of the nurses and now he's really pissed. <laughs> and so, um, but all right, so they do all that. And then my parents walk in and I just start crying. I do. I remember all this. I just start crying. And, and it wasn't because it wasn't because I felt safe. It wasn't because I saw my parents. It was because I thought that somebody had died and it was my fault. So screw my parents, screw that I'm safe, screw that I'm, that I'm not in a war zone anymore. I'm pissed and I'm highly emotional because I knew something bad happened and I don't know where my guys are at. I don't know where my rifle is at and I don't know where my gear is at. Instead of, you know, instead of being thankful that I'm alive, that I get to see my parents and that I'm in a safe, you know, I'm in a safe place that, that never even crossed my mind. It was, I, what did I do that screwed up? And did somebody die because of something I did? And that's, that's where, uh, that's, that was emotional for me. Um, that was tough for, for a while. And so, you know, my parents are there, you know, he's, he's so excited to see us. No, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm more worried about uh, my other family. Because they didn't, the they moment. didn't, you know, for a while they, they didn't just speak to you about that or anything like that. So you were just, they just wanted to focus on you, you know, right? I'm guessing. Who, who my parents? Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. They just, they don't know what's going on. They didn't know where I was. Just, they just yeah. knew that um, they got a phone call and they said, "Hey, your son got hit. Sorry, uh, he's gonna die. We're gonna fly you to Germany, and then, oh, never mind. We're gonna fly you to DC." Um, and put you in a hotel and your son's there in bed too, whatever, go, you know, go check them out. Um, but they, no, the, the hospital took really good. I mean, that's the top, top notch. Uh, I mean, that, cause that's Bethesda, that's where the, um, you know, that's where the president and all the, all the politicians go for yeah. treatment. So, I mean, it's, it's a, um, I get to go up there, um, every now and then I used to visit a, a good bit, but I, I like to go back and I'll tour and visit the guys that are injured in there to go talk to them and they tell them, Hey, everything's going to be cool. Um, but, um, yeah, man. So that was, that was crazy. So I spent the next year and eight months recovering from my injuries in that hospital. So I, I lived there. That was the rest of my Marine Corps career was in that, in that hospital. Um, and, and, what what I to kind of to speed up a, a lot um, was in my so in my recovery because this goes back to I'm mean, I'm thinking now like you never answered this question uh, about the the whole um, you know PTSD and, and and struggling and all that so guys that come back injured and and maybe some would agree and some disagree that's fine but we have a whole different we have a whole different um, path to coming back to civilian world than, than someone who might've experienced trauma, but didn't get injured and comes back home because for them, 
they, you know, you're in Iraq one moment or in Afghanistan one moment or wherever. And then in less than 24 hours, you're back home and then you're expected to flip a switch. Yeah. Dude, just like I that. went through, I went through a year and eight months of therapy that I didn't know. That's what I was doing. I, I've spent days on end living with, with other wounded guys, sharing our stories, not even thinking about, cause we're just, we're just sitting there talking with each other, sharing our stories. I mean, guys with half their faces missing arms and legs missing people burnt. Um, I mean, it's just really terrible, terrible stuff. And, and we're not sitting there feeling sorry for each other because we, this new camaraderie that we're building, I mean, these are all strangers to me, right? But we're all brothers and we get to, we get to share, we get to share the, the story. And so that was, I mean, that was therapy all, all in itself. I mean, I had guys that I would be, that would be in the same room with me when I was recovering, um, that would, you know, I talked to them for, for a couple of days. And then the next thing I know is they're dead next to me in the bed. Cause they passed away from, from their injuries. Your injuries. So this was, this was the uh, remainder, went, this was the remainder of your, this was your transitioning period on getting out. So this yeah. is that difference you're talking about on guys that aren't wounded. Like for instance, I got out and yeah, it's like a three day process. That's it. You're getting out of the Marine Corps. You're going to be a civilian. Boom. Here it is. Your class. Boom. For you though, on the other hand, I know, I know the way the Marine Corps, the military works is that they want you to get out as close to the same physical health that you were in as when you came in. So they try to, yeah. they, they try to get you fixed up as good as possible so that they get you out. So you spent almost two years in recovery um, in, 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 in the hospital. And I mean, the reason I love talking to you and, and hearing your story. And like you said, we're, we're almost on the same wavelength and we do call each other. I know I call you a lot when I have, you know, some struggles and stuff like that. So it took you five years though, because you got injured in 05 and in 2010, you became one of the founding members of a nonprofit so, I mean, you know, my story took a while for me to finally really, you know, absorb all of this that, that I was actually looking at in the mirror and actually first and foremost look in the mirror. But for you, it was a little bit more faster. I would say I'm not saying you're healed, but I'm saying at least you became more proactive with it. You know, and five years later, you became a, a founding member of a nonprofit organization and then, you know, you've you've also gone through college, your college graduate. And tell I mean, tell me more of these, the, the way that you've, that you've shifted, um, only within five years, you know? Well, you, you gotta keep, you gotta keep moving forward. Um, uh, I, I think that's the, you know, you know, uh, our brother, our brother Redmond will say, um, his, his thing is, you know, get off, get off the X, right? Yeah. We, um, and that's, which and is what you were so saying. So I mean, powerful. you were saying it. I, I, what was your mission on a convoy? Keep on going. <laughs> yeah. you, you get hit, you keep on going. So it's, it's what he's saying. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Very powerful. Yeah, so you on. got to, you got to, you got to keep, you have to keep moving in. And I didn't know that, man. I, what motivated me was I had a lot of vets. When I came back, um, I had troubles just like everyone else. I, I try to make friends with the same friends that I had in high school. That was a, that was a train wreck. Yeah. Um, uh, I tried to reconnect with a lot of other people that ended up being a train wreck. Yeah. I didn't talk to my parents. Um, I had constant fights with my, um, with my sisters. I almost broke one of my sister's arms in a golden corral because, uh, 
she had some kind of chicken on her plate or something and I took it and she got pissed and like put her arm on me and I flipped out and I flipped her on the table and had her arm and uh, I was ready to break it. I mean, I just blacked out. Yeah. It was like a reaction. So, yeah. And so, um, and then I had to, I just walked off and left because I was like, well, you know, what did I just do? And, um, but I had a lot of veterans asking me for help because they knew, um, you know, hey, Diaz, Diaz got hurt. And these are guys that came back. You know, they, they did their time and um, some were in combat, some weren't. And but they knew that I was injured because I was one of the first ones to come back injured from my community um, and to go to the VA. I was one of the, the very first ones to, to, to come back like that. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a big deal. You know, here's this here's this guy. And we went to the same high school. You know, let me go talk to him because maybe. You know, he seems like he's he's got his act together because we're good actors. We know we can walk out of the house and put a smile on our face and nothing's wrong. I mean, we're dude, not I, suffering. I think that and that's not even from now. I mean, because it's the same thing. And it, it, you see, I don't even call it acting, dude. It's at this point right now, it's almost become a trait that we were in, instilled with. We were trained to do this because. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as in patrol or, or over there. I mean, look, I'm. Well, it's it's April first. Come now, the next few days, I'm gonna be real. I know everybody in my unit will be a little tense. April thirteenth is one of our anniversaries, and you, you know, you. It just it, it happened April thirteenth, and on April fourteenth, we had to get back to work. So. Yeah. it's not acting at this point There's now no time, right? There's yeah no time for at this point it's not acting anymore i mean i will have and, and i mean and i'll tell you and, and, I, and i'll speak about it i will have a bad day sometimes i'll wake up it's a bad one already i could tell when i wake up and i'm just in a bad mood uh my kids everything just happens bad that day or at least everything i it start i start picking it out on you know and once that happens, I get I get in my car and I have to go to school or something. I it almost like I, I get over it. Not and I don't get over it because it's still I still hold on to it, you know. But I, it's right. like you say, it's almost like an act you put up, but it's not an act. It's our brain just switches to all right now. It's school mode. I have to do this regardless. It, you have to do it. You have to go. You know. Yeah, and and so I had a lot of guys come up to me and, um, you know, hey hey Diaz, we you know are you having trouble? with with sleeping are you having trouble getting a job are you having trouble uh keeping relationships having you know having friends and the answer to every single one of those was yeah 100 percent. but i told them all of them um no i'm fine suck it up bro you know go 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 to the va go to the vet center i don't know don't come to me with your issues i said it Mm. dude it, it it it, and at the time, I, you know, I didn't know any different. I, I thought I was doing, you know, what we would do back in, in combat, you know, suck it up and keep, keep moving forward. Yeah. And slowly, one by one, all these guys that came to ask me for help were killing themselves. And I felt so damn guilty because they came and asked me for help. And I just, you know, tossed them to the side. And, and uh, I don't feel that way now because I don't beat myself up over it. It's more of a, a teaching tool. Yeah. And I talk about them and I share their stories, every single one of them, because it's a way to continue to keep their memory alive 
and to help help use their story to help other guys because we you know we have this saying and everybody knows that you know we never leave a man behind yeah we will sacrifice we will sacrifice our lives to go recover someone's you know someone's dead body to bring them back so we can bring them back home if, and if it means us losing losing our lives so that we can bring their body back to their family we'll do that without skipping a beat yeah but for some reason when we come back home all that goes right out the window it's every man for himself yes it is it, it really is and i mean it depends where you live too i mean because i i talked to some of the guys i serve with and you know it's not as a as harsh for them because they're maybe in a smaller community i came to a real back i came back to a real big city in miami it's literally every person for themselves i tell people that sometimes you know i joke yeah. around i'm like you have a heart attack here and they, somebody will walk over you and be like hey dude get out of the way you're in my way i'm, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to pay i'm trying to pay at the register so i mean yeah but still i mean dude you didn't let any of this hold you down you you ended up graduating from the university of south carolina with a bachelor's in business administration so you're doing something that i'm trying to do right now i'm going to school i i love that um you were very involved as well the same way that that i am so it, i i noticed this it's and I end up noticing this that happens a lot with a lot of guys that finally end up crossing that threshold where they've looked in the mirror and now they kind of like either walk through it you know like how, how it's like liquid mirror in, in the movies and stuff and yeah um we end up now absorbing everything like you said they're all teaching moments and now we try to really involve ourselves because i mean you ended up you ended up becoming one of the founding members of usc's um alumni group called the veteran alumni you know so i mm -hmm. this I, the, the the things you continue doing is it's so our stories are a lot similar when we're going when we're speaking about our trauma and the things we go through and then the ones that cross and cross over are kind of the same the same thing now we're kind of dedicating our lives to constantly bettering our our brothers and sisters and bettering ourselves because right. i mean you've gone to the point where i mean you were recruited last in 2018 by northwestern mutual and now you're a financial advisor and i see you all the time i mean you called me the other day you're like hey uh what what, what county are you in because i'm going to get certified for the state of florida as well it's just letting you know so if you have any veterans and we could plan out their future it's just, you're constantly worried about bettering the lives of 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 the people you served with and and of and of, of and veterans that's, and that's and that's dangerous and that's dangerous too and you know that too because yes. we it that so that was my coping mechanism was trying to help other people out so much that i would ignore my own my own issues because that was my so you know where other people will will have drugs or or um you know alcohol or whatever it is for me it was continuing to do all these things to the point where you know i didn't have time for i didn't have time for my family i didn't have time for church i didn't have time um and and i just got to it which is get to the point that um i just got burned out yeah. and, and and i tell guys too when i'm helping them i'm like look man if you're not willing to help yourself out, I can't help you. I mean, it just yep. got to the point where I was, I would have to turn people away because if they weren't serious about helping themselves, I'm not going to waste my time on you. Yeah. Like, dude, 
there's there's 20 other guys that I could talk to right now that are willing to put in the work to help themselves out that I'm wasting my time with a chronic complainer. Yep. Yeah, and, the, yeah, and you tell them that and they're like, oh, bro, you can't, you know, why are you talking to me that way? He's like, because I'm serious. If you don't want to help yourself, I at the moment, and I tell them when I first, like, you know what, you know, like it's a, funny. Like you, you just said that. You just said that right now. They're like, oh, bro, why are you talking to me like that? It, 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 it is. It, they'll say, and, and one, one of the things they usually say to me right after this, like, oh, because you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know what I'm feeling. Look, I'm pretty fucking sure I know what you're going through, what you're feeling, and it's what you said. You have to want to help yourself. This is what we've realized at this point, you know. And that's the whole point of this yeah, podcast. You know, it's it's we want to. So I'll have a I'll have a I'll have a, a verbal like a verbal contract with guys when I first talk to them, and I'm like, look, at any moment that I start to find out or that I feel that I want this more than you do, we're done. Yeah. Because I can't, I cannot want you to get better. I, I can't want it more than you can. Correct. I can't because at, at this point right now, it's what you say. You get burned out, man. I mean, there's times that I've called certain close mentors of mine and certain close friends and I'm just, you know, I'm worn out. I can't, uh, I just finished a, an event or for the organization or I'm going to school now and I'm trying to do an event or, or something, my family and you get worn out and you get to the point where you can't, you, you can't do it anymore. And then all of a sudden now you're worried about a guy that is saying he wants to be helped, but yet now you got to call him to find out what the fuck is going on with him. Cause he's, he's not calling you. He's not asking for help or something like that. And you know, it's a specific date or something like that. You know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. But yet you don't not, stop. And it's not everybody. It's just it's, it's just it's a certain it's a certain type of person, um, and I, I think we all get a little bit of that every now and then too. Um, yep. Because I'm sure I'm that there's people out there trying to help me, and and maybe I brush them off thinking, "Oh, I'm fine. I don't need it." And then you know, then we get to that roller coaster where you know things are great, and then something will happen, something will trigger it, and. And now we, you know, the, the week or the day is ruined and we're beating ourselves up and we have to understand that, you know, it's okay to have a crappy day. Yeah. As long as we remember that tomorrow's a new day. Uh, and sometimes that's hard, but we, you know, you have to give yourself a pass sometimes and, and know that it, it's all right, but it's, it's what matters is how we're going to bounce back. That's the important part. Um, and so, and I knew it and, you know, I, I had to give myself, some of my, a dose of my own harsh advice, which is, you know, if, if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of other people. You can't, you're not giving them your 100% you. If, 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 if you've put yourself in the position and if you've given yourself the platform of, I can help others, but you're not taking care of yourself, you're, 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 you might end up doing someone a disservice. Um, and, and so, I mean, so there was times where I would have to, I would have to, you know, take a week off or take two weeks off from taking phone calls, from doing events, from doing whatever, because I needed to, uh, I needed to, to focus on myself. I needed to recharge. I needed to talk to my mentors. I needed to talk to, to my preacher. I needed to talk to my wife. Uh, I mean, my wife's been my best friend through this whole, this whole thing. And I know that that's hard for people, but, um, you need to have, you know, to, to have a, to have a, a healthy, to have a healthy relationship, you need to have 
someone uh, or a partner or whatever that um, is understands what you're going through. And even though, and, and well, let me, let me rephrase that doesn't understand, but, un, but knows, knows what you're going through. So I, I tell her everything. If I'm having a crappy day, Hey, this is what's going on. If something triggered me, Hey, this is what triggered me. Um, and I'm feeling really on edge right now. We go into a, uh, uh, you know, we would go into restaurants and I would tell her, Hey, I want to, she know, she'd want to, she would automatically go and take the chair that's facing the exit because she knows that I'm going to want to have my back to the wall. Well, through my recovery or my coping, I went through a lot of what's called exposure therapy. Okay. And so for me, it so was you went through the prolonged exposure. So I did it on my own. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I recommend that for people because it's, it's very, it's very, very aggressive. Yeah. Um, and it, it might, if you don't do it right, it might actually make it worse for you. Yeah. Um, I'm not a medical professional. I just, I've, I've gone through this long enough and have talked to people long enough that I, I feel like I'm qualified to, to talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, uh, uh, uh what do you call it in, in, in law? A, um, crap i forgot oh but she she would that you would sit down you went through the exposure that that subject matter expert okay (laughs) i'm a i'm a subject matter expert in ptsd and recovery i believe you know what that's why i started this man because i believe that i'm i'm the same thing and and people are like oh but you're going to school for psychology i'm like you know what half of these classes are wrong i'm gonna tell you that right (laughs) you know like and i joke with them but but the reality is yeah I, i i consider myself i think i mean yeah, I, we we got to the point where we were not happy with our lives at one point, and you know we ended up doing something about it. So, but yeah, man. So tell me, tell tell me more about it. So you you were you were explaining to me though that you you because we were we actually got now into something that I'm very interested in. So you were telling me about the, your partner that you you speak to her a lot about what bothers you and stuff, but yeah, that so, she would go to a restaurant. Yeah, and so I, I tell her. Yeah, I tell. Her, so she and and she would want to. You know, she knows where to where to go. And, and I would tell her, no, I want to, you know, I want to sit in the chair where I can't see the exits or I can't see the, I can't see the windows or, or so whatever. So you wanted to be put in, in that, you wanted area. to be put in the uncomfortable spot. Yes, because I wanted to exposure therapy. I mean, the more, and it's a legit, I mean, it's a legit, it's a legit thing. I mean, the more that we, that you expose yourself to something that is, is, is giving you trauma. Um, the more that you can kind of harden, it's kind of like body hardening, yeah. um, but for the mind and, um, where, where like now it doesn't, I mean, it took me maybe seven years, um, because now it's just not really a, now it's not really a big deal. You know, what is a big deal is, is going to church and all those church shootings and that type of stuff. I mean, that's something different. Um, but uh, and so, you know, and what I did there is I volunteered to be the guy that sits in the, in the vestibule that, you know, the, the greeter. Yeah. Because in that way, in my own selfish, in my own selfish reasons, yeah, I want to greet people and, and I want to welcome them to my church. But you at the same know time, who's coming in. I'm scanning, I'm scanning, I'm scanning yeah, for threats, yeah. baby. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be number one. Um, and, and I also will be number one if I'm, if, if someone is coming in to, to, you know, to shoot up the church, um, I want it to be me and I'll be, I'll sacrifice myself so that everyone else, I mean, that's just the way we think. Yeah. 
because uh, people, you know, if you hear that, like, that's crazy. That guy's nuts. Um, but I, I mean, that's, that's something that's been a coping mechanism for me. Um, and, and just continuing, just continuing to do something to be, you know, there's, and especially for those guys that aren't, that aren't here anymore. Um, those that asked me for help and, and, and those that, that died in, in, in combat. Um, for me, when I hear people talk about survivor's guilt, I think for me is the easiest thing to help somebody with because I know what it feels like to die. Yeah. Uh, uh, dramatic pause. All right. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I had, like I have a button your- here that has crickets and I was going to do that, but I, didn't, I, I still don't want this to be that type of podcast. I still, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, uh, no, I did. I paused for effect. Um, but I know, I know what it feels like to just have the lights turned off on you. And I got to survive and I got to come back. And so a lot of the guys that were in that vehicle and a lot of my friends, they didn't talk to me for the longest because they felt guilty. That you were the, um, my the, driver, the worst one injured, right? You were saying. Right, right. So, and I wasn't even supposed to be in that seat. I wasn't even supposed to be in that truck. So everyone that that was that that took my place in all these different areas, they felt guilty and didn't yeah. talk to me for years because they, you know, they felt, you know, I'm such a piece of crap. I shouldn't even talk to him because, you know, he got hurt and he's suffering and this and that because of me. You know, wrong. It's- it's interesting. It's interesting. You're bringing all this up because I'm looking through my deck. It's it's almost that time of the podcast where we're we're getting towards the end, and literally picked out a card that I wanted to ask you. And I think it's a great a great question to ask you right now. It's uh, when when you die, what do you want to be remembered for, Stephen? How powerful is that? Yeah. And it's and it's part of um. It's part of what, what I'm doing, what I'm doing now, um, because so we came, I came here first generation. My parents came here with the clothes on their backs and a suitcase. Same here, man. To give us a better, to give us a better life, me and my sisters, and to help out others. My dad was a preacher. And so, you know, he, he came here, sacrificed, sacrificed everything, sacrificed his family, came to a completely different country. And that means a lot to me. Um, and so that's kind of why, one of the reasons why I joined, um, you know, especially you get like our generation, yeah. now, I would say eight out of 10 guys would tell you they joined because of nine 11 and I would fall into that category. I mean, I, I felt that a country that had given so much freedom to my parents, so much, you know, she's given us so much and, and that was attacked. And so I felt that I needed to, um, you know, we came here legally I had, I wanted to earn my citizenship. And so I want my son, um, to remember my, my military career. I want him to remember his grandfather that came here with nothing to help other people and to give me an opportunity to make something of myself, whatever that may mean. Yeah. That's not, it's not through wealth in my opinion. Nope. I mean, money's nice, but it's not through wealth. It's to be happy. And now everything that I'm doing for, for my son is, is setting him up to have a successful future to then where he could do whatever he wants. But I want him to remember where he came from. Yeah, same thing here, man. <laughs> um, 
And, 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 and that wasn't, you know, finance on the financial part and all that. I mean, that was not given to me. Uh, and I'm not mad at my parents for that. Um, we, you know, we, we, it's, I think it's a culture thing. My parents, um, are Hispanic. My dad's Mexican, my mom's yeah. Nicaraguan. And, uh, I mean, financial planning and all that stuff just, it just wasn't, I mean, just wasn't no, part it's, of their it's, culture. So it wasn't their, really, their culture still wasn't just really, live. Wasn't down to me. It's just living, right? right? It's just, we need to live. Um, and so now I'm at a, I'm at a point in life where I can make better decisions, um, to help, to, to, to put my son uh, at a, at a better spot. Um, you know, when he, when he gets older. Yeah. Then what you and, have. And it's, and that's going to take, I mean, that's what it's, that's what it's going to take because we, we, there's no one else to pass it down to him. There's, he doesn't have any uncles here. He doesn't, I mean, there's no, there's no other extended family other than, um, you know, our really close friends and then my military family. And so it's up to me to break that cycle um, and teach him something new so that then when he has kids, he can then spread and then we have a good, so they can remember later on when they're doing big things, you know, where did all this come from? And so, um, you know, that's, that's how, that's how I want to be remembered. Um, I love what I do in the community. I, I see the impact that it makes. And so I also feel like I have to do these things because I see and it's, I'm no, I'm nobody special. Anybody can do it. It just takes you yeah. getting out and just doing it. That's what I'm telling everybody. That's what I tell everybody right now. I'm like, dude, I am nobody special. I am no TV star, no music star. I'm another veteran. And you know what? I decided to do a podcast because people are like, dude, what you're going to be, what you're doing right now is going to hopefully change lives and this and that. I'm like, but I'm nobody special. You could do this too. Start a podcast. Yeah. Buy a mic. Plug it into your computer. I mean, there's software for it. You don't have to use the little mixing board I have. But, I mean, exactly what you're saying. It's, I think I think everybody should honestly ask themselves that question almost every day when they wake up. Is that if you die, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, because it, it might change the yeah. way you carry on yourself that day. And it's not too late. To, it's not too late to, to change. And, you know, find you find out what makes you what makes you happy, what gives you joy. And I think the biggest thing in in someone's path to to recovery and cope and, and being able to cope is helping other people out. Yes, and not and not other veterans. Not not. It's easy. I, I think it's almost a way. So of, uh, we're speaking of, for ourselves for veterans, but you see, I could I could I could give a huge example right now on what you're speaking about, and it's uh, a lady that I want to be interviewing. A uh, uh, Young lady that is part of Jason Redmond's Overcome Army group that I'm part of, and I I do mentor uh -huh. in that group and stuff like that, and uh, I don't mentor her, but yet she reached out. We reached out to each other. I heard her story, and she's recovering. She's a recovering from a cancer survivor, and she decided to do exactly what we're saying right now, man. Give yourself help out other individuals, and she decided to volunteer at the local VA where she where she lives at, you know, mm -hmm. and she's not a veteran. So she's doing something different, you know, and she's helping. Uh, she decided to help older veterans, and she has, you know, it, it's crazy because I, I, I talk to her now, and, or I see her post sometimes, and she speaks about some of these veterans because a lot of the ones she deals with and she, what she decided to volunteer for is the World War II Korean War generation. And, I mean, you know, these guys are, are leaving us. And now yeah. she's kind of helping them, you know, live the best of whatever's left of their life. And 
You know, it's 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 awesome to it it and it's great to hear you say that because that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. You know, it's I want people to. Well, you just you you get so much out of it, and and I think it's awesome to work with other veterans. Um, but you should you should get out and go volunteer somewhere and help out other people that you might not know too much about the situation, but you can become aware of what's going on. Because I think when we when we get into getting too much or solely focusing on veterans organizations, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a cheap way to saying, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm helping myself or because it turns into already, you know, you, you, if, if you, you already know the game, dude. Other, you already know it. Yeah. If you, if, if you and I were to get three other Marines and put them together in a room, I already know how the conversation is going to go down. Correct. We're going to talk about boot camp. We're going to talk about, stupid things we did in the Marine Corps. We're going to, and then we're going to bash the VA and that's going to go for another two hours. Right. And so, then we got nothing accomplished, whatever it was that we were supposed to do. And, and that's fine. There's time for that. It's cool. It's fun. Um, and, 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 and dude, this I, is, this is exactly why I went from an organization, which is still open. You know, I'm still doing it. It's just very small scale. Um, where we focus on veterans and then we started doing, we opened up this year to first responders, but now we had to cancel our trip thanks to this uh, Rona virus. But um, I started this podcast with my simple mentality that this is no longer for veterans only. It's not because yeah. what ended up happening to me was I ended up starting to share my story at call at the college I go to at Miami day college. And I would, I've shared my story like maybe three times, three, four times. And I would have students come up to me, young kids, 18, 19 year old kids. Wow, your story's amazing, this and that. And uh, the way that you feel like you've hit rock bottom, I, I relate to that. So now I started realizing that it's it, our stories, or the, at least the way that the fact that we've, our story, they hold us in such a high standard that the fact that they hear that we've hit rock bottom to the point we've hit rock bottom and have been able to turn it around, that it's very helpful for them. So that's why I wanted to start this podcast. With no longer the, yeah. you know, the veteran guided only for veterans. Like I said, yes, I'm interviewing a lot of veterans at the beginning because at the end of the day, right now, this is who I know that is the largest group that I know personally that has been through trauma. You know, I have first responders coming out in, 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 into the show and I am working eventually on hopefully having some rape victims and other victims of just regular trauma that have been through, you know. Um, that aren't veterans, you know, it's just, it's real tough finding individuals right now that want to speak their, share their story. You know, I have, like I said, Lauren is going to, uh, uh, sorry, Laura is going to share her story, not Lauren. Laura is going to share her story with us about, you yeah. know, being a cancer survivor and stuff. So, um, definitely, definitely, I, 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 I'm on the same track as, uh, as you are, man. And when it comes to that aspect, um, Steve brother, dude, I am so happy to have you that that I finally had you on a show. I feel like we stood in. Um, I mean, we 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 warned each other about it at the beginning that we both ramble. We just ramble, and I feel that we stood yeah. in. I feel like this this episode could go on for another hour. Um, but I don't. I'm not. I, I'm not at the level right now where I think I could have two hour episodes. I'm 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 only on episode six, so we'll see. We'll see where where I can get it. But man, brother, I definitely want to get you back on because I do. I do want to talk about. One thing that you're doing right now, which is, like I, I mentioned, you got recruited by Northwestern Mutual, and you're not just in South Carolina. You're working throughout most uh, most other states in the in the U.S., and now you're focusing on helping 
not just veterans, but I love the fact that you who you are who you are at the end of the day, you're still a veteran advocate. Now you could also help veterans financially plan themselves, which is something we don't do, man. Um, we live such a fast life. We live it's very simple for a lot of us that are already either retired or hundred percent disabled to not plan financially because you get that check all the time, you know, but I think it's awesome what you're doing, dude. And I definitely want to have you back on to talk about it, but if there's anything that you could give us right now, a little quick one or anything like that, you know, somewhere where we could reach you at, if we have any questions, um, for the financial advisor part or anything like that, because I think that's such a huge thing right now, especially with, with everything going on right now that everybody's freaking out. We need to plan for the future. So, um, what, what little, yeah, well, well I, I'm, I'm really active on, on, um, I mean, I, I've been blessed to have so many opportunities that has given me a, a pretty cool platform. So if you Google Steven Diaz, uh, there's a really good looking guy on there. It's not me. You have to Google Corporal Stephen Diaz. Do it. There's a really, there's a really attractive young man, um, uh, handsome guy. Uh, uh, I don't know what he does, but I look at him like that's not me. But if you Google Corporal Stephen Diaz, um, you'll find a lot of things about me um, that I've been, I've been blessed to be a part of, uh, and and have been given a platform to help other people and share my story. And um, but uh, yeah, so I have a financial planning practice because. Something that that uh, that that I've noticed when helping out vets is that finances and money is always a, a root of of a lot of our issues. And so um, I got recruited by this company that that uh, I've, I've come to find out is a is a pretty big deal. Um, and they don't just bring in anybody, and it is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, but it's awesome because I get to continue to push myself. I get to continue to learn new things. I get to work with with uh, a, a lot of other deserving um, people, and I'm getting to be a a another subject matter expert in a completely different field, which is is it's something for us. And that's how we recover: is push yourself to your limits. We've been given something by the military, as much as we may hate it, but we've we've been instilled with. Uh, this adapt and overcome mentality that if we continue to push ourselves and, and whatever it is that you do, yeah. whatever, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that, it, you know, we can, whatever passion that you find or whatever natural talent that you find that you're good at and you continue to push yourself at it and, um, and you take that mentality to adapt and overcome um, and you'll be good at it and you'll be able to help other people and other people are going to come asking you about, uh, and, and it's, it's just all about resilience. The, 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 the veteran, um, is a resilient person. Uh, and it's, so it's just, it's always amazing to see what other veterans are doing. And I love to share, um, their successes, um, share their stories and it's just, it's fun. So in doing what I'm doing, it's, it's, it's fun. We get to help out people because the military they don't prepare us as well when we're getting out to have a lot of the things in place that our civilian counterparts have. Um, and we're so eager. I mean, we go through these PowerPoints and that we don't, we don't pay attention. We nod our head. Yes. And we understand and we get out and then we're like, damn, I wish I would have known about uh, A, B, and C. And I wish I would have done this and this time ran out. And then, our defense mechanism is the government didn't do anything for me and the VA screwed me over. And it was like, well, 
you remember that one PowerPoint session <laughs> yeah. or you remember in taps where they told you this? And, uh, yeah. So I, I go, I, I go and, and, uh, uh, do the figurative door knocking, uh, to veterans that I meet and I'm like, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I do. It might not benefit you or, or it might, but I'm not going to know unless we have a conversation. So let's, you know, let's just sit down and talk about it and, um, see if I can see if I can teach you something new, um, or at least tell you that, Hey, everything you're doing is, is good to go. Cool. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough because it's as, as vets and as, we're stubborn people, there's, there's nothing that you can tell me that, you know, I'm already doing everything perfect and I don't need someone coming in and telling me how to do a, y, a, B and C. And, um, I, I tell some guys that some of the guys that I, that I work with and, uh, they're like, Hey, w- w- you know, this, this must be easy for you because, you know, you got blown up and, uh, uh, like, no, man, I would rather drive down a road full of IEDs and sometimes do this. Then tell somebody how to save their money. Like, are you kidding me? I'm trying to tell yeah. somebody not to spend your money. I no, put me back in the home. Yeah. But yeah, man. So, yeah. and, uh, and so these are, but this is the, yeah, these are really interesting times, um, to say the least. Uh, I was telling my wife last night, I said, there's nothing that I can remember in, in, in history, um, of us really going through anything like this, where it's affecting the entire world since world war two. Yeah. And then I love the news. I love watching politics and stuff like that. And, and, and I'm a news junkie and, uh, uh, they were talking about it today. Um, I think it was the world, uh, the world, world health organization. We're talking about that. The world has never faced anything like this since world war two. And it made me feel good because I was like, Hey, I said that, but, um, (laughs) Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So financially speaking, yeah, these are really interesting times. Um, I work with a great group of people, really bright people that, um, you know, for, for if there's something that I don't know yet and then I'm, you know, I, I, I don't have, uh, uh, I don't see that as a weakness because I'm constantly learning new things and constantly getting better at my, at my trade. But, um, yeah, however I can be a service uh, to people. Um, especially those that are still in, because you still have time to avoid what me and Ozzy, you know, Barry kick ourselves in, in, in the butt for not doing some things and putting things in place. There's still time. Um, uh, and, and so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been an amazing, uh, a, a, an amazing experience. I enjoy it. I, I, I do see myself doing this for a very, very long time. Um, uh, and uh, and I didn't really talk about it too much, but I, I love being a father, man. It's been a, I, I got a three-year-old son. His name is Thomas. Um, it's just been, it's just been awesome. One of the hardest things I thought was going to do was to be a father um, because I was, I wasn't fully connected with my emotions yet. And I, I didn't know what kind of father I was going to be. And so that scared, that scared the hell out of me was, am I ready to be a father when I, I don't even, I don't, I'm not even in tune with my emotions yet. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, he, he, I meet him for the first time and it was just, that's a life changing, everything changes. That's yeah. a life changing experience. Oh yeah. man, that we're definitely, we're definitely going to sit down again then and talk a little bit let's more about it, let's that. Send it, let's end it with that. Let's end it with that. Let's end it with that because I, I definitely want to yeah. sit down and talk more about that with you because that is something definitely that uh, I think is a huge subject for uh, anybody that's experienced trauma is being a parent 
Um, it's something that yeah. you struggle with and it's, it's not an easy job. So definitely, that's definitely going to be another episode we're going to talk about, but Steven brother, dude, thank you so much for sitting down with me tonight. Um, I know you're a busy dude. Uh, we, we just sat down on the middle of a Wednesday night to record this. So I got people, I got my family in my house. You got your family in the house, but yet we were able to get it quiet. Yeah, we'll, time. Get, we'll get chewed out. We'll get chewed out later for it. Yeah. Right. So, but brother, thank you so much. Like I said, we're going to have you back on. I'm going to put all your links on social media, on the, the summary inside our podcast yeah. here. So if anybody wants to reach out to Steven Diaz for financial uh, advisement or for even, I mean, I'm sure anything, cause uh, you're just that type of individual, just reach out and, uh, Steven, thank you so much once again, brother, for being on the show. I appreciate it, Ozzy. Love you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll receive notifications from us as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. We appreciate you and them. Until next time, survivors.